Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the opportunity we have to gather together this morning, to come gather around your word, to lift you up, to magnify you together. Father, pray that as we have this opportunity to hear from you, that we would do so with humble hearts who are ready to hear and to take your word and to do it. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Today we're in Philippians where Pastor Chad has been helping us to have the mind of Christ and uh, so to carry on his tradition, I'm not, not really a tradition, but we're going to say our theme verses together and uh, I'm going to need to rely on the screen because I have it memorized in a different translation than what is on the screen. So uh, don't mind me, you guys do well from memorizing it uh, uh, and saying it. So let's say Philippians Uh, Chapter 2, verses 5 through 8 together. Have this mind among yourselves, which is your... All right, thank you uh, for working through that. Hopefully you are spending time on your own throughout the the week to memorize that and to meditate on the truth that we find in Philippians 2, verses 5 through 8. Last week, Pastor Chad helped us from Philippians 4, verses 1 through 3, to see how we can stay faithful to God. Now, maybe for some of you, that's the first time you thought about that since last Sunday, I don't know, but that was where he was, and he was encouraging us to remain faithful to God and how we can stay that way, and he helped us to anticipate the next few sermons and where we were going by saying uh, the next few verses and sections uh, will help us to stay faithful, and he anticipated today's passage by saying we remain faithful by rejoicing. We remain faithful by rejoicing. Maybe you remember him saying that or not. But if you haven't already, please open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. We're going to be in verse 4. Philippians 4, verse 4. We'll read that together now. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. A short, familiar verse for many of us. I'm sure that we, we all have heard that verse or it's common to us. Maybe many of you have memorized that verse. But as I have spent time in this verse and in Philippians, I have found the reality of living this verse out to be incredibly difficult. It's a simple, short verse, but living this verse is incredibly difficult. And I think a reason it may be difficult is because we live in a world that's cursed by sin. And on top of that, we are sinners who choose sinful choices. Really, what I'm saying is we make life hard for ourselves. We make life difficult and challenging for us to be able to rejoice. As the simple command here says, rejoice. 
just want you to think for a moment, and don't answer out loud, don't want any embarrassment, but think a moment, when were you sad, discouraged, sick, hurt, lonely, or angry, or anxious? Just think, when was a time when one of those things might be true of you? When you were sad, discouraged, sick, hurt, lonely, anxious, or angry? Think for a moment. When was a time when one of those was true of you? And then as you're thinking about that moment, that time in your life when that happened, in that time, did you rejoice in the Lord always? Now, Dan, I don't want you to answer out loud because I'm not here to, uh, to draw you out and to uh, show that you didn't do the word of God in that moment. But what I'm trying to help you to see is that this is not our response. This is not our natural response to rejoice in the Lord always. My guess is if we were all being truthful, and I think we all could say this, that in those moments we grumbled, we complained, we were anxious or angry, we didn't rejoice. Rejoicing in the Lord is difficult and it may even seem impossible at times. But all truly converted believers must rejoice in the Lord always. Do you believe that? Do you believe that truth that all truly converted people must rejoice in the Lord always? We will see that from Philippians 4.4 4 and really from the whole book of Philippians this morning. We're going to be throughout this book as we help as we seek to understand Philippians 4, verse 4. And our big idea this morning is God wants you to rejoice. Pretty simple, not very difficult to to understand, but as I said earlier, it's extremely difficult to do. So to rejoice, we must think biblically about rejoicing. And there's some things we need to understand and know in order to do this. And first... We understand, we must understand what rejoicing is. We must understand what it is and, along with it, what it is not. So, we have the command in Philippians 4.4, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. What is rejoicing? If it's important to Paul, he says it twice, if it is important to rejoice, we must know what it is to rejoice. I have defined rejoicing, and I've thought about this a lot, but this is my definition of rejoicing. Rejoicing is a God-given gladness and pleasure that comes from who he is and his promises in his word. I'll say that again. I have defined rejoicing as rejoicing is a God-given gladness and pleasure that comes from who he is and his promises in his word. Now you may, as you listen to that, may have heard in there that rejoicing is based on God and his word. Rejoicing is based on God and his word. Our rejoicing is outside of ourselves. Our rejoicing is not coming from who we are and what we do. It's outside of ourselves. It's outside of our circumstances. 
And for clarification, rejoicing is not happiness. Rejoicing is not happiness. And that's very important to understand. We can often get the two mixed up. Happiness is often related to circumstances. For example, I can be happy when I go out to my vehicle and get in it and turn the key and it starts. And I can be happy when I get to where I am going because my vehicle worked and I'm happy. Right? We've all been there. We're happy. On the flip side, I can be unhappy when I go outside and see I have a flat tire. Or I get in to start my vehicle and I turn the key and absolutely nothing happens. I can be unhappy in that time. Happiness is fluid. Happiness often is based on circumstances. Rejoicing, though, is a God-given gladness that comes from who God is and his promises in his word. Again, for example, using the same vehicle illustration, I can rejoice in God when my vehicle needs repairs. How or why? My rejoicing comes from knowing God. And that because my vehicle runs or doesn't run, does not change that reality. And I can rejoice. I can rejoice in that moment knowing that while my vehicle changes from day to day, whether it wants to run or not, maybe for some of us, God is always the same. And he promises to always be the same. Now, as we think biblically about rejoicing, we're going to stay in Philippians. But as I said, we're going to move around in the book of Philippians because we need to understand what Paul is trying to communicate, what God wants us to understand. And it could be really easy to look at Philippians 4, verse 4, and say, Paul, you don't get rejoicing in the Lord always. You don't get it. I have difficulties. I have struggles. And you're the Apostle Paul the most amazing missionary, the most amazing preacher of the gospel, you don't know what it means to rejoice in the Lord always. And that couldn't be further from the truth of Paul's life and Paul's story, even in the book of Philippians. So we will see how Paul speaks of rejoicing and joy. So go with me back maybe a page or so in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1 and verse 4. Shouldn't be that far away. Just turn to back just a page maybe. Philippians 4, chapter 1, verse 4. Paul here is praying. This is at the beginning of his letter to the Philippians. He's praying. And he says to them, and just for sake of where we're going, beginning of verse 3, I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer. When Paul prays for this church, he prays with joy for the believers in this church. He prays with joy. When he thinks about them, he prays with joy. He has joy when he hears about them and thinks about them. He has real gladness. Why, if you read on in these verses, because of their partnership in gospel ministry. They are faithful partners in the gospel, and for that reality... He finds joy and rejoices. Look down at to verse 12 and follow along as I read chapter 1, verse 12. 
Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is because I am in Christ. Just, just pause there, okay? Where's Paul? He's in prison, okay? So lest we think Paul can't understand what difficulties is, Paul's writing this letter from prison because he is in Christ Jesus. So going on, verse 14, most of the brothers have gained confidence in the Lord from my imprisonment and dare even more to speak the word fearlessly. To be sure, some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. These preach, Christ, preach out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The others proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, thinking that they will cause me trouble in my imprisonment. What does it matter? Only that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed. And in this I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. Because I know this will lead to my salvation through your prayers and help from the Spirit of Jesus Christ. My eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything, but that now, as always, with all courage, Christ will be highly honored in my body, whether by life or by death, for me to live as Christ and to die is gain. Some incredible verses that point to where Paul's focus is. Paul rejoices in the preaching of Christ, period. Did you see that? That's his joy. His joy flows from the gospel. He says, whether the preaching of Christ is from goodwill or because people want to add to my pain or because people want to add to my suffering, I rejoice. It's a little odd, don't you think? That Paul rejoices in the preaching of the gospel even if it causes him pain. Paul rejoices. And not only that, but he says, Paul, Paul says he will rejoice whether he lives or he dies. Whether he lives or he dies, he is rejoicing because he's believing in the great power of Jesus Christ. Staying in chapter 1, go down to verse 25. Paul says, since I am persuaded of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. Paul says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay. I, I have a desire to depart and be with Christ, but I'm going to stay in the flesh. I'm going to stay here. And the reason is because his staying here means that the Philippian believers will grow in their faith and joy, their joy in the faith. He says, remaining in the flesh is what they need. It's more needful. What's really incredible is to think about the reality of this. Faith in Jesus looks through problems in our lives and sees the promises of God. Faith in our lives, faith in the difficulties of our lives, looks through those difficulties it looks beyond those difficulties and sees the promises in the word of God that are unchanging. And that's joy-giving. Look down at verse 28. Not being frightened in any way by your opponents, this is a sign of destruction for them, 
but of your salvation, and this is from God. Now I know you're like, hold on, Pastor Dan, there is no mention of the word rejoice or joy in this verse. And you would be correct. There is not. But I think it's important to realize that when Paul gets to this point in his own life, and what he's trying to communicate to those that he is writing to, that joy or rejoicing may not be mentioned here, but I believe that the reason those that we live worthy of the gospel is so that we are able to respond to the difficulties of life out of joy. Out of joy. We respond from joy to the difficulties of life, not allowing the difficulties of our life to cause our response. Not reacting, but rather acting. Paul's been expressing this truth all throughout chapter 1. That no matter what happens, his joy is firmly rooted in Jesus. And he rejoices. And he encourages the believers of Philippi to do the same. Chapter 2, verse 2, Paul says, Make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. The Philippian believers will make Paul's joy, his rejoicing, complete by being united in Jesus. When Jesus is the focus of this local church, Paul rejoices. Go down in chapter 2 to verses 17 and 18. Chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. But even if I am poured out as a drink offering on the sacrificial service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. In the same way, you should also be glad and rejoice with me. Paul is glad if he needs to die. Paul is glad if he needs to die so that they may grow in Jesus. Paul is glad for that. If, if it is most helpful to them, He's willing to do that. If that's what's most helpful, most necessary, he's willing to do that. And not only that, he says that these believers, no matter how much affection they have for Paul, he says, you ought to respond the same way. You ought to be glad if my death means growth in the gospel for you. Go down a little bit further in chapter 2 to verse 28. Paul says, for this reason, I am very eager to send him, Epaphroditus, so that you may rejoice again when you see him, and I may be less anxious. Paul wants these believers to rejoice when they see Epaphroditus. Why? Why would he say this to them? Why would he want them to rejoice in Epaphroditus' coming to them? There is gladness. There is genuine joy from God when we see a fellow laborer in the gospel who has been suffering greatly. Epaphroditus suffered on behalf of them. And now he's coming to them. And they ought to rejoice in God, in God's working in Epaphroditus. And then lastly, look at chapter 3, verse 1. Similar to the command we find in our text, Philippians 4.4 today, Paul says, in addition, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Paul gives the same command we have in Philippians 4.4. Rejoice in the Lord. Paul wants them, as he does in our text, as he does in Philippians 3.1, to pursue, to go after gladness and pleasure in the Lord. 
Go after it. That's what he wants of them. Now, we've observed the various times in which Paul speaks of joy or rejoicing in Philippians. Did you notice at how many of these instances were in difficult and hard circumstances? Did you notice that? He's in prison, right? Paul's in prison. Philippians 1 verse 13 says he's in prison. Most of these situations are in difficulties, in hard, challenging times. And yet, the response of Paul and what he expects of these believers is joy, rejoicing. But not just rejoicing for the sake of rejoicing. It's in the Lord, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But my question is, and I want you to think about this, how could Paul respond to hard circumstances with rejoicing in the Lord. How could he do that? I think the answer is back in verse or back in chapter 3 verses 8 and 9. Look there if you will, verses 8 and 9 of chapter 3. More than that, I also consider everything to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Because of him I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them as dung, so that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ. I believe this is where Paul's rejoicing flows from in the book of Philippians, that he is rejoicing because he has a righteousness that is not his own. Not only is it not his own, but he can't earn this righteousness. He has something that is unearnable. Paul counts all as loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ. He, he is found in Jesus. He finds himself secure in Jesus. And, and he has this righteousness that is not his own. It's, Je it's Jesus' righteousness that's his by faith. Rejoicing is a God-given gladness that comes from who he is and his promises in his word. As I said, rejoicing is not based on circumstances. It's based on God and his word. The question we have to ask ourselves when we think about what is rejoicing, do you rejoice in the way Paul describes? Do you find joy in Jesus only when life is going well? In the difficulties of your life, do you allow gladness and pleasure to rise from who God is and the promises of his word? Or are you so derailed by the difficulties and challenges of life that you are so thrown out of whack that you can't even think about who God is? God wants you to rejoice in Jesus, in him by understanding what rejoicing is. Secondly, we must believe Jesus is the root of our rejoicing. We must believe that Jesus is the root of our rejoicing. If we are to obey the command that Paul gives in Philippians 4, verse 4, which is, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. If we are to obey that command... We need to see Jesus as our greatest treasure and more satisfying than all else. 
That's where it begins. If we don't truly believe that Jesus is everything, then we're never going to rejoice in the Lord always. Paul says in this text, and we want to focus on this part of the text, rejoice in the Lord. We want to focus on the in the Lord because that's, he's saying rejoice in the Lord. The ground or the foundation of our rejoicing is Jesus. Who he is and what he has done for us and who we are in him is the foundation of our rejoicing. These realities are firm and cannot be taken away from us. No one, no thing can ever take away our joy because of where it is rooted. It's rooted in Jesus. And we saw, as we look through portions of Philippians 1 already, we saw Paul uh, speak in this way. Paul, he's in prison, and yet, he, and yet we read of him rejoicing when other people preach the gospel because they're like, if I do this, Paul's going to have to suffer for it. And he, they're glad because of that. It brings them happiness to know that when they preach the gospel, Paul suffers. But what's Paul's response to even the preaching of the gospel from those motives? It's joy. It's rejoicing. He rejoices not in what people are doing, but in what is being proclaimed. He rejoices in what is being proclaimed because Christ and the love of that God has for all mankind is being made known to people. It's really strange that Paul would, would respond this way. Really strange that Paul would say, yes, God is awesome. Because I am being, suffering more because they're preaching the gospel to punish me and to add hurt to me. That's odd. That's not the way we would respond. But he responds in, as he sits in prison with rejoicing because I believe he knows something. And I believe he holds something true. His rejoicing is in the gospel of Jesus being proclaimed for others to hear. I, I, I believe that Paul believes that God is sovereign and will use his word to change the lives of people for his glory. Paul can sit there in prison, chained, stand in prison, chained, however he was in prison, and rejoice in God because God is sovereign. God is the God who saves, and the power of the gospel, as Paul says in Romans 1, 16 and 17, is not in Paul not in the, the proclaimer, but it is the message that is proclaimed because it's God's power that saves. And Paul can rejoice in God because of what God will do and can do. So Paul is glad in what he knows to be true about God and his word. But to go even further, Paul so believes that Jesus is the root of his rejoicing that he is willing to die if it means fruit and growth for other believers. How many of us are willing to do that? How many of us are willing to die so that another believer may grow in their relationship with God? He is so confident in who he is in Jesus that whether he lives or he dies, I don't care. He's going to preach Christ because he knows God is behind the preaching of God's word. And he knows if he dies as he says in, in chapter 1, to depart and be with Christ is far better. 
Because then he sees with his eyes his Savior that he, that he savors and loves today. He can die rejoicing. Paul was secure. He is secure in Jesus. So Paul can say to these Philippian believers and to us, rejoice in the Lord always. And it's not a command. He is not doing himself. He is faithfully pursuing this command himself as he's, as he's shown throughout the book of Philippians and as you follow the life of Paul in Acts. Rejoice in the Lord Jesus this morning. Rejoice in Jesus as you go about your day. Be glad and take pleasure in who Jesus is and what he has done. So the question is, who is Jesus? What has Jesus done? Maybe for some of you, you've not really thought too much about that. But Jesus, he is truly God and truly man. He came to earth assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. He came to be like one of us. Jesus, knowing all things, truly God, knowing all things, went to the cross to die in the place of sinful mankind. So that sinners, so that you, so that myself can be brought to God. He knew what was going to happen. He knew the pain that was, going to, that was before him at the cross. And as Hebrews 12 says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. There was joy. That joy was not rooted in the circumstances of the cross. That joy was rooted in God. Jesus is now seated at the right hand of God. He has accomplished all that was planned for him to do at this time. Jesus is, as 1 John says, a believer's intercessor and advocate before God. We have one who stands before God, and when we sin and we confess that, he stands before God and he says, they're forgiven. They are justified. And he shows the wounds that he paid the price for, for our redemption. Jesus says to God, they are justified in me. The root of our rejoicing has to be in Jesus. It must be in Jesus. We must believe that Jesus is the root of our rejoicing. We need to refuse to look at circumstances and people for joy. We have to refuse to do that. And instead... Our rejoicing needs to be deeply rooted in who Jesus is. Do you believe this to be true? Do you believe that Jesus is the root of your rejoicing? We've seen Paul live this way. So it's easy for us to see him be able to say in Philippians 4.4, do this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Third, we must rejoice always. We must rejoice always. We must always be glad and find pleasure in Jesus. It's not something we can turn on and off. We must rejoice always. Now, it's not for nothing that Paul says always after rejoice in the Lord. 
It is true that we should rejoice in the Lord. Paul could have put a period there, stopped, been done, and moved on. But I think it's significant that he says always. It's really important that he says always. He could have stopped, but always expands what he has said, rejoice in the Lord. Now, I want to be clear. I haven't said this yet, but I want to be clear that you understand that when I say rejoice, and when Paul says rejoice in the Lord always, it does not mean that we must live with a constant smile on our faces. That's not what this command is saying. It's not saying that we must live with a constant smile. To do so would be ridiculous. Because there's times in life where it's appropriate to be sad. There's times in life where it's appropriate to cry. There's times where it's appropriate to have hurt, struggle, and when really smiling doesn't come naturally and we don't want to. We live in a world, as I've already said, that's cursed by sin and death. There's going to come times where smiling is not natural and not right. And I think I could say it's not biblical at times to smile. But we can rejoice in Jesus when life is going phenomenally or when life is going poorly. And the reason is because Jesus is the root of our rejoicing. Our lives are hidden in Jesus' life. So we can, we can rejoice in the Lord always when we're in tears. We can rejoice always when we're suffering. Paul does not say, rejoice in the Lord when it's convenient, or rejoice in the Lord when it's comfortable, or Rejoice in the Lord when it's easy, or rejoice in the Lord when it costs you nothing. Instead, he says, rejoice in the Lord always, all day, every day. Our gladness and delight is in Jesus and needs to be. The reason for always rejoicing in Jesus is because of what we've already seen about Jesus. Jesus is greater. Jesus is better. Jesus is more satisfying. Jesus is the greatest treasure in all the world. Also, because we are eternally secure in Jesus by grace through faith. These realities are true. We can rejoice always. No matter what circumstances we find ourselves in this moment, you can rejoice. In Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39, Paul makes this even more clear, the security that we have in Jesus. He says, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is rejoicing because of where we are, that we are secure in Jesus. We must rejoice always, all the time. It's not an option. Do you rejoice in Jesus all the time? And I know the answer to that is no. Every single one of us has to answer that no. 
but is it your desire by God's grace to rejoice in the Lord always? And a follow-up question to that is, is Jesus your greatest delight? Is Jesus what you long for, what you want more than anything else in this world? Is Jesus your greatest delight? We live faithfully. We live faithful by rejoicing in the Lord always. It was so important for Paul to say it in the short verse that he says rejoice twice. He repeats himself. We have seen that God wants us, wants you to rejoice. As I said earlier, it's a simple command. Not difficult to grasp. Rejoice in the Lord always. But it is difficult to live. It's difficult to live. And we have helps to do so. We must understand what rejoicing is. It's deeper. Rejoicing is deeper than mere happiness. Rejoicing, as I've described it, as a God-given gladness and pleasure that comes from who he is and his promises in his word. It's outside of our circumstances. We must also believe that Jesus is the root of our rejoicing. For a truly converted person, our rejoicing is deeply rooted in him. In Jesus, our rejoicing springs. And then we must rejoice always. Jesus is greater. Jesus is better. Jesus is more satisfying. Jesus is the greatest treasure. We are eternally secure in Jesus by grace through faith to the glory of God alone. Therefore, rejoice. If these things are true, rejoice. So, I want to leave you with a couple of questions to think about in response to Philippians 4 verse 4. I want to leave you with two questions to help us respond to the word of God. First, do you know Jesus personally? Have you responded to the gospel with repentance of your sins and trust in Jesus alone? You can't rejoice in what you don't know. You can't rejoice in Jesus if you don't have a relationship with Jesus. We're incapable of it. But the good news is you can know Jesus today. You can repent and trust in him alone today. The question is, will you? If you're here this morning and you've responded to the gospel of repentance and faith, the question for you is, is Jesus your greatest delight and pleasure? Is Jesus your greatest delight and pleasure? Is Jesus your joy? We are told throughout God's word to delight ourselves in him. We cannot rejoice in Jesus always if we do not treasure the one we're supposed to rejoice in. You're not going to rejoice in something you just don't care about. We, re we treasure Jesus by asking God to give us a greater and growing love for who Jesus is. So the question is, if you want to rejoice in Jesus always, will you begin to pray that God gives you a greater and growing love for Jesus and for who he is and for who you are in him? Will you do that today? God wants you, God wants us as a church to rejoice in the Lord always.
Father God, thank you for our time together this morning. Father, thank you for your time and your word. Father, help us to treasure you above all else. Father, help us to love you supremely. And Father, I ask that you would help us to uh, know the forgiveness that you offer through your son, Jesus. Father, help us to, to rejoice always, no matter the circumstances, no matter what's going on around us. Help us to rejoice always. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.